Welcome to the Wellspring Church podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Are you well? Well, it's good to see you all and to welcome everybody at home on the live stream or wherever you are watching from. It's a joy to be here. It's a privilege, it really is, and uh, to join you uh, on a Sunday at the pulpit just to preach God's Word. It's fantastic. Obviously, we love Pastor uh, Tim and Helen, and it's been just a joy to be with them and the family this weekend. And uh, yeah, just to support you and just to encourage you as well and all your efforts of the prayers and the, and the prophetic words and the practical help. Just keep going with that, won't you? It means so much. And this is where I think the beauty of the, of the church, it becomes that essence of family is so true in moments like this, isn't it? We all need one another and we're all connected to each other. And so we all have a voice, we all have a prayer, we all have faith, and we all bring all of these seeds of faith together. Something beautiful is birthed. So keep going, won't you? And keep keep at it. As, uh, as you've heard already, the accent is Irish, okay? And uh, as I get excited, I get faster. Uh, so I'm sorry. I'll, I'll just watch in case you get glaze over. Uh, then I'll know to reverse and kind of slow up a little bit. Uh, and uh, subtitles would be handy for anyone at home. That would be good. Uh, even wave at me and just say too fast, whatever. Just do something so uh, I will know. I want to talk to you today uh, about Jesus. Will that be okay? Let's, let's start with that. Let's go with Jesus. And it's a good thing to do. And it's one of the I am statements that he makes. He makes seven of those. And I want to look at number three, actually, and it says, I am the door. And, and at the context of this a little bit, my own personal context is a conviction that God is building and uh, rebuilding a confident church, capital C, all around the world. Amen. We need a fresh confidence in Jesus. We need a fresh confidence in the message of Jesus. Yes. And we need a fresh confidence in the mission of Jesus, the man, the message, and the mission. That's what we're giving our lives to. That's why we are in the room, okay? We're not just consumers of the Word. We are hearers and doers of the Word in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, so we're going to go with John chapter 10. I've got the ESV version. Uh, I think at some other versions, it's Jesus is the gate, but I'm going with Jesus as the door, Okay. You can manage me, okay? You can hear us. You're all nodding. That's good, okay? The accent's working. All right. Uh, verses 7 through 10, all right? The words are on me on the screen, literal subtitles. There they are. And it says this. So Jesus again said to them, he's not disciples and whoever else is listening. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door, okay, of the sheep. That's us, okay? Uh, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. He does not mean John the Baptist. He means everyone else, okay? But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. What a great line. What a great line, okay? Four words. I am the door. Full stop. Bang. That's it. Hugs and kisses. Bye-bye. All right? That's it. If anyone enters by me, three things happen, Jesus says. He'll be saved. He'll go in and out, and then he'll find pasture. And we're going to unpack that a little later. The thief then comes by contrast to what Jesus does. Here's what the thief does. Only, only that's all he does, okay? He's a liar, and he's a thief, and he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus says, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen? Not good? I love Jesus. Don't you love the Lord? It's fantastic. Let's just pray. Okay. Lord Jesus, you have brought us by design to this moment. Uh, we have, we're in this seat because that's where you wanted us to be at this time on Sunday, the 30th of April. This is a divine setup. Now, we know that we're not going to remember, Lord, everything that we'll hear, but we're here to hear part of this message. There is something in this word just for 
me. And so, Lord, help me to lean in, not to lose it. Help me to listen. Help me to get it because I'm hungry to be like Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way. Do what only you can do. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and everybody in Wellspring and at home said, Amen. Amen. You know this, but it's worth saying everything the Old Testament foreshadows about Jesus, the New Testament reveals in full. Yes, we, we, we get that. And so if we're going to look at the, the, the I am's of Jesus, let's go back to where we first heard the term or the, or the words I am. And we've got to go back to Exodus chapter 3. So we've got to go to the burning bush kind of mo moment. You know, Moses was in Egypt and uh, he'd done a runner out of Egypt and he's on the backside of the desert looking after the father-in-law's sheep, prince, okay, to shepherd. And, uh, and he's out there one day and... Uh, Look, I was walking through a park yesterday. Where did we go to? Was it Daisy's? Was it Daisy's? Yeah, what park is it? Caspery Park. Lovely. Nice spot. Do you know what? I was walking through there yesterday. Lovely trees, lots of heat. Nothing went on fire and nothing that spoke to me at all, okay? But here we have Moses. He's in the backside of the desert, okay? There's no ice cream, uh, but there is a burning bush that goes on fire. And in the desert, nothing new about that. That happens. What makes this unusual is, of course, God begins to speak out of the plant, all right? Imagine. Like, imagine, we're so used to this, but this thing starts to speak. Hello? Okay, and God begins to speak. And God says to Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. How will I go back to Egypt? I'm a wanted man. I cannot go back to my past. God says, I'm going to deal with your past. I'm sending you back to redeem my people, okay? And Moses says, okay, Mr. Objection, how will they believe me? How will the Israelites know? How will the Egyptians know that you have sent me? He says, I knew you'd ask, so say this. Verse 14, I am who I am. This is what you are to tell the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Wow, what a term, I am. Doesn't that cover it? I am it. I am it all. I am everything. I am in everything. I am. Let's just shorten it. I am. God is I am. He is the great I am, everybody. Amen? And he sent me to you. And so in this incredible exchange between God and Moses, God is revealing his nature through his identity. I am, okay? And it's difficult to find a more powerful kind of all-embracing term. And the reason for this is that Egypt had a God for everything. The day, the night, the sun, the stars, the plants, the, they had a God for everything. And so if the children of Israel and the Egyptians were going to believe Moses or to respond to Moses' message, they would need to know that this was the God, the great God, the I am God. What's God doing? He is distinguishing himself from every other God around. Fast forward now to where Jesus is talking, okay, and here we have Jesus delivering the third of his seven I am statements. It's the children of Israel, the, the time has changed, but everyone, the context has not. It's still exactly the same. What was Jesus doing? He was fulfilling what Moses began in the Old Testament. He was distinguishing himself as the living God against the false religious leaders and zealots and false messiahs in his time. And so now we are here on the 30th of April, 2023, and the time has changed, wouldn't you say? It absolutely has, but the context, everyone, still the same. It is still the same. And it's why this is so important for us as a church together, but also for you as if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room or you are watching online. The, uh, the, the, the context has not shifted at all. Everyone, it's, it's good to know that secularism all across the world is 
on the decline. Isn't that great? Belief is rising around the world. Christianity is rising around what we call the global south. We need to be encouraged. But spirituality alongside that is rampant in the Western world. People are believing, but they're believing in everything. Isn't that right? They are. You can go this afternoon to a garden center and pick up a little god. And we can put it in our gardens and our doorsteps and, and whatever else we can do. There is a angels, there are tarot cards, there are dream catchers, there are crystals and philosophies, gurus and talk show hosts. There's stoic one-liners. And there's even prana temple breathing techniques to help us all uh, to put our faith in, okay? But the reality is what you find after a while, that none of these things deliver what they promise. And so in a world that is crying out, I believe... Is there any way to stop my past infecting my present so that my future is not ruined? Is there any way that can happen? Is there anyone, is there any way that I can get rid of my shame? Is there any way that I can get the monkey off my back, off my heart? Is there any way that I can deal with the gnawing sense of guilt and shame that I feel? Is there any way, is there anyone that can give me an expression of this at heart's cry that I seem to cannot find satisfied anywhere else? Against that cry, Wellspring, Jesus stands and says, Here's what I found. You got to love it. That was deliberate. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that humbling moment. My watch just said something in case you're wondering what happened. Jesus says, against all of that, I've kind of lost it now, haven't I? Jesus goes, and that's the beautiful thing, okay? So I want to look at two things, hopefully, if my watch behaves. Two things that are going to help us gain our confidence or add more confidence or maybe just to find our confidence for the first time in the great I am as Jesus as the door. So here we go. The first thing is this. I want you just to know this, that the door turns on the hinges of love. The door turns on the hinges of love. We cannot separate the church and love. We cannot separate the gospel from love. You just cannot separate Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from love. The door turns on the hinges of love. Now, all of you will know, and most of you will know, um, that uh, my wife and I, we have four children, and they are almost 18. We have quadruplets, okay? And uh, we are, I've just lost half the room. And it's like, what? What, just, what did he say? What? And um, so, so they're all, so that's been a social experiment, okay, for us, and that's just been a, been a privilege, I'm told, uh, but no, it's been amazing, all right? So they're almost 18, ready for university, all of that stuff, but I can remember growing up in, in my day, okay, as, as a younger person, back in the 1800s, when, uh, when we were going anywhere, my parents send us to church, okay, midweek stuff, and Badminton club and BB youth club, they didn't go. Oh, no, 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 you go to church. You go, we'll, we'll take you, we'll lift, we'll take you in the car. And I had a friend, a friend of mine called Stuart, and he lived quite close by, and he would come with us. And what we would do is I would sometimes go, and, well, we would go and lift him in the car. Rather than take two cars, we'd collect him, and sometimes he would, you know, do the same thing for us. Amazing. Here's how it would go. And we would rock up to Stuart's house, I would walk up to the front door, and I would do this like a psycho. I'd knock his door, okay? And, uh, and then his mom, let's say, would open the door, and I'd go, hello, Mrs. Douglas. Brian here, obviously. You can see me. Um, but uh, is Stuart ready? 
and she'll shout back, Stuart Bryan's here. I'll hear a voice from, from the back room. I'm coming now, getting my coat. And out he comes, gets the coat on. He gets into my car and we drive off. Sometimes Stuart would then maybe return the favor and his dad or mom would collect me. Here's what would happen. He would drive up the driveway in his car. He'd get out of his car like an Egypt, all right? And he'd come up to our door and he'd knock our door. Imagine that. And my mom or dad would open the door and they'd go, it's Stuart coming in a minute. And I'm out my coat in the car. Here we go, all right? Now fast forward, okay, to whenever I take my kids anywhere and we're collecting any of their friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, it's different now. We rock up to the house and I'm like, And they're like, I'm like, how will he know we're here? We don't do doors. I'm like, what? Daddy, you're so 1985. We, we, we just don't do any. So she's on the phone, so on Snapchat, sitting outside, car emoji, emoji, thing emoji, whatever emoji, just emoji, see you soon, BYB or whatever it is, I don't know, bring her on, I don't, la, 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 hashtag, hashtag too old to know what hashtags are, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Unbelievable. And suddenly, as if out of nowhere, some sort of osmosis, people would be in the back of the car. It's like, how did you get here? What just happened? I don't know how this works. I really don't. But what I have discovered is this, that the way this generation approaches the door is different from mine. I'm telling you. And the way this world approaches the door is different today. We've got to get a handle on that. Can we go all university on you? Do you want to learn some big words? I hope I'm going to say them right. I don't know if I will or not, but we'll try. Will we try together? Okay, here's the first one. <sighs> big deep breath. Okay, it begins a P. We're living in a postmodern era. There we go. That matters. Okay. Postmodernism. Okay, that's where we're at. Now, what postmodernism does, and I'm not going to cure it, okay? I might not even describe it fully, all right? But what it does, it challenges conventional ways of thinking, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say the world thinks differently a little bit about stuff? It needs a bigger yes than that. The world's off its head, okay? <laughs> Absolutely, okay? It, it, it challenges truth, okay? It really does. It, uh, it challenges the reality that one thing is true for, for everybody, okay? You can have your truth. That, that's, plural, that, that, that's postmodernism right there. You have your truth, I can have mine, and they're all equally valid. You, you kind of get the idea. Now, a while ago, postmodernism had babies, all right? It had babies. And one of the babies was called pluralism, all right? Pluralism, second of the big words, okay? And one of the key beliefs of pluralism, more than one of, okay, when it's applied to religion, listen to me here, it is the rejection of absolute truth that can be applied to all people at all times. In other words, they do not believe a religion can claim to have a monopoly, a monopoly or a singularity one way on religious truth. Now, you take that baby of postmodernism, pluralism, and then it collides not just with religion, but with Christianity. <gasps> we have a problem, okay? Because it's here that pluralists part company with the idea that God has revealed himself in one way, in a unique way, through the Lord Jesus. And the invitation or the cry of pluralism is, surely God reveals himself through all the religions. Surely there are more than one way, plural, pluralism. Surely there are more than one way that we get to heaven. Sure, isn't there just one God? Isn't it all the same? And so when Christianity stands up and goes, well, actually, we believe Jesus is the way, it is charged then with being, you're a bit narrow. 
aren't you? You're a bit old-fashioned. You're a bit imperialistic. You're a bit 1985. Kiss emoji. So... What do we do then when Jesus makes this statement in verse 7? I am the door of the sheep. He does not say, I am a door. This is not the door store. There's just the door. I am the door. It is an exclusive statement, everyone. Now, I'm not going to give you a lecture on word religions. I don't I'm not qualified for all of that. But what I will say this, as all of us face these challenges head on in our workplaces, in our schools, in our colleges, and just in our own minds sometimes, we, we can struggle with this. I want to say this, that despite the claims of pluralism against Christianity, Christianity is an inclusive faith, but it has an exclusive message. Amen? It really has. Our God is an inclusive God with an exclusive message. The gospel is an inclusive gospel. The good news is for everyone, amen? And it has an exclusive message. Just nod your heads around this room. Take a 180 degree sweep of the room. It's obvious that we are living in an inclusive gospel. Look at you all. This shouldn't work. But it works, doesn't it? Isn't Jesus amazing? We're all in this together. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Wouldn't you love and lift the lid in that church? Metal, crazy. They were fighting about everything. How to take communion, about spiritual gifts, who was their favorite preacher. They were, if there was anything to fight about, they were fighting about it. Paul's like, oh, for dear sake. Where's my pen? Right? He's getting a letter. It needed two letters for them. Do you know what I mean? But halfway through, towards the end of, of, of 1 Corinthians, his first letter in chapter 12, he writes this in verse 13. He says, for we're, we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were given the one spirit to drink. And I love this verse because embodied and implicit and even explicit in this verse is the reality of all the different cultures and peoples and ethnicities and beautiful colors and sizes and shapes and male and female and slave and free, social status. It doesn't matter. The church was countercultural to the day. Everyone belonged. The gospel is an inclusive message. And then we go to the daddy of the verses that really matter. John 3, 16. That is the, I think it was Augustine called it, the gospel in one verse. For God so loved some of the world. For God so loved just England. For God so loved Watford, the posh end. For God so loved just Derry. For God so loved just Ireland. I think he for God just no 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 what does it say for God so loved the cosmos that's the, that's the world the world all of it if you make something you love it hip we do. For God so loved it, and He loved it so much, what did He do? He wanted it back. He wanted to redeem it. He wanted a garden narrative all over again. And the only way He knew to do it, and He'd give a hint of it in the Garden of Eden, He would send His one and only Son. He would send Jesus so that whoever would believe in Him, what would happen? They would have eternal life the moment they said yes to Him. And I want to encourage you today, if you're a follower of Jesus, eternal life has already ready be gone. Come on, let's live our lives in the light of heaven. Amen. Come on, that's what we got to do. We got to do it. But why then? 
Why does Jesus have to be so inclusive? Why is this? And John 14, it even goes, it makes it worse. That's what he says here. He says, I am the way. Okay, well, I can get that. You're the way. All right. I am the truth. Well, okay, I can, I can struggle there, but okay, well, yes. And then he goes, I am the life. Oh, three for three. All right. I give in. You're all of those things. And then he nails it. He wrecks it for pluralists everywhere. He says this, no one comes to the Father. No one. In the Greek, no one means no one. No, one. <laughs> no yes. You don't need a big Hebrew degree for that one. No one means no one. Nobody comes to the Father except through the door. You're not busting through the wall here. We'll come through the door. Hip, hip. Right. <laughs> okay. He wrecks it. And the reason is, is love. That's the reason. The gospel makes exclusive claims. Here's why. Because Jesus does exclusive things. He does things that no one else would do, that no other God would ever suggest to do. There's no Jesus does it all. David Platt is an author. He is a pastor and a preacher in the United States. And he tells a story in, in his book called Radical of standing outside in Indonesia, this Buddhist temple. And he rocked up and there was a Muslim leader here and a, and a Muslim and a Buddhist leader. It's like the setup for a bad joke, isn't it? And, and the three of them were there and they were having this conversation about the Lord and God and faith and whatever. And, uh, and, it, and, and, the, and the two boys, the Buddhist guy and the Muslim leader, they, 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 they believed this. They, 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 they kind of felt, well, look, do you know what? There's... there's all religions are different. We get that they're different. But at the end of the day, we'll all get to the one place. And, that's what they, and, and, and they said to Platt, well, do, do you think so? Do you think that is true? And this was his reply. He said, it sounds as though you both picture God top of a mountain. It seems then that you believe that we're at the bottom of the mountain. And you can take one route, I'll take another, and you can take another route. But at the end of the day, we'll all get to God regardless of the path that we take. And the two boys were like, yes. You've got it. You've nailed it. But they, have, they mistook Platt's summary as his acceptance. So he turned around and he said this. Let me ask you a question. What would you think if I told you that the God at the top of the mountain actually came down to where we are? And they thought, that wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't be bad at all. What would you think if I told you that God doesn't wait for people to find their way to him? Instead, he comes to us. They thought for a moment and exclaimed, that would be great. And the story ends. So Platt introduced them to Jesus. And that's the beautiful thing. There is no mountain. Jesus left the mountain. He came down the mountain. He came to us. The incarnation is key. It's an incredible thing. Love comes down. Love is the hinges on which the door turns. Amen. The second thing, the second of two, is this, that love lies beyond the door. That once we are through the door that turns on the hinges of love, what we encounter is more love. Amen? Anyone here that has younger kids or has had younger kids will know the benefit and the absolute joy of two or three nights away without them. It's lovely taking them, isn't it? But it's nice just to get a little break and whatever. Okay, so we can remember, obviously, with our four, there was the odd intense moment 
okay, as you imagine. So it was always nice when a family relative always kind of offered every so often, would you like to head? Yes, we would. We would. We'd like to go. We'd like to go away now. Immediately, that would be fine. We're ready. Judith and I, we had two go bags in the car boot just in case anybody offered. We could go. Would you like to go? Bang. All you'd hear is the squealer brakes and we're out the driveway. We're all right. And And that's it. And so when they were small, because isn't it true though, you know, you used to go away with no kids and you had two weeks off. It was wonderful. You go on a holiday. It's amazing you have that benefit on three days when you have kids, don't you? The therapeutic value, it's fantastic. Anyway, so we headed off to this, this hotel uh, down south, we call it, in Republic of Ireland, uh, in a c- County Cavan, not, it's about maybe two, two and a half hours drive from Derry, where we live. And uh, they would have these kind of midweek deals on. You would go there for like three nights, uh, three days, two nights, they'd throw in the evening meals, all of that, whatever it is. Happy days. We would go there, bags packed, lovely jubbling. We would head off and it would, it would have kind of a romantic vibe. We were all like tingly and all teenagery and all, ooh, all the feels, you know? We're driving down the road, I love you and I love you too. <laughs> and sometimes we'd check the back seats just in case. <laughs> nope, still empty. Hallelujah. And so that was good. And we'd maybe stop in for a little light breakfast somewhere, or we'd stop in for a coffee, and I still love you, and I? And it's all of that. It's wonderful. We drive into the hotel, remember this time, we're into the hotel, through the gates, big gates, big iron gates, it's beautiful. Driving in, parked the car, got the suitcases, the luggage out of the boot of the car, looking across at each other, back all lovely, we're heading to reception, it's all very exciting, and we're away, and we're just still, last paranoid checks, there's still no children, excellent, and so we're up the reception with the bags, put the bags there, and Mr. Somerville, yes, we have your number, there's your room tickets there, the keys, 216, you get the lift around the corner, second floor, oh, thank you very much, and we go, we're holding hands, we're skipping along, trying to find the lift, and the lift we go to, mm, ding, up we walk, just one. So Isn't it exciting the minute you find your room? You stand behind that door like it's Shangri-La. It's like, what's behind the door? I hope it's nice. I hope it's nice. You put the key card in, doesn't work. Put it back in. We green light, fantastic. And it goes. So we got this room, 216. I send Judith. She goes in first. And in silence. Like, oh. <laughs> okay. Was wanting more of an ooh than an oh. Okay, that was it. So we walked in, and the room was okay. It was all right. It was a bit small. You know, in your memory, you had this kind of thing. It was moved towards the back of the hotel, wherever it was. Anyway, we turned around to look at the sort of the rest of the room, and up against the wall, okay, someone. And I'm sure this wasn't it, but it looked like someone took a, like a big liter of Coke Zero, shook the life out of it, and then opened it and thought, "Let's christen the wall," okay, and just. Poof. And this mad big sort of stain up the wall. Now, we've just left a house that looks like that, okay? Stains on every wall, let's be honest, okay? So we don't want to stay in a room with stains in it. So we're ringing down to reception. We haven't packed, unpacked or anything because we're not staying. And so we ring down reception and look, hello, da-da-da. And a little uh, woman comes up, a girl comes up, and it's great. She's spraying away with the flash and the jiff and whatever. Nothing is coming off, okay? We're like, oh, for dear sake. Next thing. Turned around as a manager. Don't know how she knew. Anyway, she said this. Follow me! <laughs> I don't know where she was from, but she wasn't from Ireland, okay? <laughs> I've got to tell you, 
In Ireland, we take a week to get round that, okay? It's like, hello there, how are you? I wonder would you mind getting your bags and following them? And we take a long time to get round that, okay? She was like, no, pick your bags, go, out, let's go. And we were like, oh, okay. And then I'm like, we don't mean to complain. I thought she was telling us to go, like, out of the hotel. It'll do. It's okay. We're used to it. It's fine. We'll be okay. No, no, no. Follow me. It's like, okay, right. So we're following her down the stairs and onto the first floor. You know when you get those kind of floors with that sort of space in them that you can look down and see the ground floor? That's where we were. And we round that area there to the front of the hotel. And at the front of this hotel, at the first floor level, was these double doors. Always complain. Bridal suite. Okay. Absolutely. Bridal suite. And she whips out this key, this locker, this key. Hers work first time. Oh, yeah. Green light straight away. Whatever. She opens these doors. And it was a room this size. It was ginormous. Bowling alley one end, double everything on the other. It was huge. Two TVs, two sinks, two da-da-da, whatever you wanted. It was all there. It was fantastic, everybody, and I thoroughly recommend it. Okay, here's what we learned. Here's what we learned. That the boss always has the key to a better room. The boss always has the key to the best room in the house. And I want to tell you today, Jesus has the keys to a better room. He has the keys to a better way of life. He has the keys to eternal life. Amen. When we get to verse 9, okay, in our text today, he said this, if anyone enters by me, three things are going to happen. Number one, he will be saved. Will be saved. Not maybe wonder about it, have to work all life for it. No, no, no. He will be saved. Second thing will happen. You will go in and you will go out. I'll unpack that in a second. And the third thing Jesus says, when you walk through the door into the better room, you will find pasture. What's he talking? The metaphor is shepherding everyone. It's shepherding sheep. Warmer months, shepherd take the sheep and they keep them on the hillside and at night they'd bring them into these pens, hand built, stone on stone, no door, no roof. So the shepherd would lie across the door. The shepherd would be the door. And because of that reality, the sheep would instinctively know, number one, that they would be saved. Saved from any attack of the enemy. There was salvation. The next thing they knew, there would be safety. The term to go out and to go in, or going in and out, whatever it is, is a euphemism. We would say something like, um, you can have your cake and eat it. It's a sentence we all know what it means. It's kind of the same thing, okay, in, in the culture of the day. And here's what it means. It means to wander about without a care in the When was the last time, because of Jesus, you went in and out without a care in the world? And they could because they had the presence of the shepherd. And then thirdly, they were satisfied. Satisfied. Because they found pasture. They didn't find pasture. The shepherd led them to pasture, to green fields, to still waters. Sheep can't drink from a running stream. Did you know that? They can't drink running water. So when David writes, it's still waters you refresh my soul, that's where Jesus leads you. Jesus not only leads you to the still waters, he is the still waters. Amen? And that's how they have life and life in its 
fullness. But here's the context of Jesus' preaching. It is false preachers, everyone. It is corrupt leaders. There are zealots and false messiahs. And in this motley crew are even the the Pharisees, all the religious types of the day, all the legalists, all the people. They were all there, and they're trying to lead the people into a life of confusion, a life of empty rules and rituals and hollow philosophies that looked good, that sounded good, but they just didn't work, everyone. It is the promise of a two-night mini-break only to find the room is filthy. These guys have the keys to the worst room in the house. And then we have Jesus who says, I am the door, but more than that, I have the keys to the best room in the house. And through me, he says, I will give you salvation. Isaiah 53 verse 5 reminds us familiar to so many. He was, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. We thank God. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We don't talk about this very much. What are we saved from? We know what we're saved to. We never talk about God's wrath, and I I get it, but the reality is We have been saved from the punishment that God, we justly deserve. See, everyone wants justice until it's you in the dock. And then you don't want justice because you want to let off. And God lets us off because His justice is fulfilled at the cross. And He justifies you. And it's just as if I'd never sinned. And we thank God. There is safety. And what is the major emotion that safety provides? It is the the feeling of peace. When we feel safe, we are at peace. And we have the peace of God again through the cross. Paul writes to the church in Colossae and he says, Through him to reconcile all things to himself, that's God through his Son, reconciled all things to himself, things on earth, things in heaven. How did he do it? He made peace through his blood shed on the cross. So when we come to Christ, we enter into peace with God. And it's more than just the Hebrew shalom. It is the irene, the Greek word irene, E-I-R-E-N-E. And here's what it means. If my fist is the, is the meaning of shalom, which is this, this life-giving peace, the Greek version, the, the version that comes through Jesus, encapsulates it, embraces it, completes it if it was at all possible, And it brings us into a place of oneness. We are set at one. When was the last time you didn't feel all over the place? We set at one. It is a peace that not just gives us rest. It is a peace that prospers in life. Even though that you're walking through whatever the shadow is, whatever the valley is, whatever the circumstance is, the follower of Jesus, the the sheep that follows the shepherd, even in those dark moments will feel the touch of his rod and his staff. And the psalmist says, they comfort me still. It's hard to see Jesus in the valley. And those are the moments you need the touch of the rod and the staff. And then finally, it's satisfaction. Satisfaction. Wellspring, sheep are weird. I don't know if you know anything about sheep. Maybe sort of farming background and generations in your... I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. But let me give you some fun facts about sheep. They're stupid. 
Ah, nah. They're mad. They're, they're, they, don't, they, they're, they get lost. Do you know why they get lost? Because they're always eating. Head down. Don't know where they're going. No, 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 no. They're just mad. Oh, clump of grass. Green grass. Off they go. They just eat stuff. And that's it. They have no homing instinct at all. They get lost. They don't look where they're going. Head down. If they roll over, did you know this? If they roll over, they can't roll back up again. That's called being cast. And so when you hear David write, why are you so down cast my soul, it is the shepherd saying, why does the inside of me feel upside down with no way to get my soul the right way up? I need a shepherd. The thing about a sheep as well is it doesn't know a wolf until it's too late. Can you imagine? Bah, that's a funny looking sheep. Bah, he's big sheep. Bah, he's got a different coat than me. Bah, look at his teeth. Bah, he's getting very close. Bah, he doesn't look to be a friendly. Night, night sheep. And this is the, the world that we live in. The world doesn't know an enemy when it sees it. What kind of life is this, church? Imagine going through life, not knowing where we're going, why we're going, what we're doing, carrying all the weight of our life around us, fall down, can't get up, upside down, right way up. I've tried this, tried that, tried the other. I just can't get on my feet. I can't seem to stop my past infecting my present to ruin my future. I cannot. What, a, what kind of life is this? Could you imagine? Could you imagine a life where you walk through it, whatever it brings your way, that you would walk through with a shepherd who would lead you to the blessed places for you to thrive, where he would surround you and protect you, who would watch over you, that would stop others getting to you, who would keep you nourished every single step of the way. Imagine a life more abundant than that. Left to ourselves, everyone. Well, let's put it this way. I'm not going to tar you with my brush. Left to myself. I just am stupid. Chief sheep. Chief clown. Chief Egypt. Chief messmaker. Chief broken. Chief lost. Chief confused. One day, 25 years ago, Met the chief shepherd. And he's been leading my life ever since. Come on, let's stand. Let's stand. Worship team, you're free to join me. I've got one more little story for you. And then we're going to go right back into worship. Maybe pray for you too. Yeah. There are a couple of times of the year, everybody. Thanks for listening to the accent. This one good. You're, you'll be home exhausted. I'm going to have to lean in. I have to try hard at church today. There are a couple of times a year when the six of us, uh, the, the four kids and Judith and I, we get to go away a couple of times a year. And we'd all try and get in a hotel. And uh, if you have kids and you've been in a hotel, you'll be familiar with this, I guess. You kind of want them near you, don't you? It's kind of the law. And you want them kind of close to you. And so you book one of these interconnecting rooms. You ever done that? 
you're in one room, there's the, kind of a, there's the main door you get in and out of, then there's a door to the next room, and behind that, there's their door, which gets into, you know how it goes, interconnecting rooms in a hotel. And you know what? We would knock their door if we want them, and they would just barge through our door when they wanted us. Where's your biscuits? Where's your stuff? Give us money. That sort of thing. But here's what we knew, everybody, that if we wanted them or they wanted us, we were always just one one knock away. Jesus says this in Revelation 3.20. He says, Here I stand at the door, and I knock. And he said, If anyone hears my voice, and he opens up the door, here's what's going to happen. I will think about coming in. I will take an inventory of his life, and if I deem it to be too rough, I won't come in. If there's a sin in there that is too great for me, that the cross didn't cover, I won't come in. Jesus says, I will come in, and more than that, I'm going to help him with his appetite. He will eat, and I will eat with him. Zacchaeus, take me to your house. You and I are one Knock away. Let's pray. So, Father, but I want to pray for anyone in the room today that has yet to know the shepherd who, like everyone else in this room, has tried everything else. And today, is feeling the knock, the tug on the heart, the knock on the door of the heart. To open the door, to open the door to the door, to the shepherd, the true shepherd, the only shepherd, the Jesus who does exclusive things. If that's you today, just where you're standing, privately, quietly, sincerely, and we are sitting at home, if that's you today, just join with me in this little prayer. You can repeat it after me. We can go quietly, everybody. That's fine. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess my need of a Savior. I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. And today, I receive all that you won for me at the cross. You have forgiven all of my sins. I am not who I used to be. I am born again. I invite you now, Lord Jesus, into my life to be my Lord, to be my leader, and to be my love. And until I see you face to face, lead me this day and every day. In your name we pray. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer, here's what I'd love you to do. Some of the team here along the front row, I'll, I'll stay up here a little bit after service. Come and say hello. Come and say, you know what? I prayed that prayer. I don't get a lot of church stuff, you guys, with your hands in the air. I don't, I don't know what that means. But I know I felt the knock and I opened the door to Jesus. And the thing about that is we just want to know because it's the first step to a great adventure with the shepherd. Amen. And let's pray for everyone else. Father, we thank you today for Jesus. 
We're grateful that you love us. We're grateful that you have forgiven us, that you left heaven for just us. It's amazing. And remind us, Lord Jesus, of that great truth that we are forgiven today, that we are filled with your Spirit, that we are a new creation in Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that, Father, we've learned, maybe we've forgotten, but we've learned once again that you do. You have the keys to the best room of all. You have the keys of heaven. You have the keys of eternal life on the earth. You have the keys to our destiny and our calling and our salvation and our gifts and our hopes and our dreams. And so, Father, for all of us who needed to be reminded of that truth today, we lay down all that we're striving to sort in our own strength. And we want that peace, Lord, that helps us go out and go in because you are with us. And so, Father, now as we get ready to worship, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us see Jesus that you would help us fix our eyes upon him, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9 a.m., and 11am in person and online.